Hello and welcome to the Complete Health Podcast, the podcast that brings you a complete view of healthcare, exercises, medicine, and much more. We're your hosts, Helen O'Leary and Rhys Noble, both physiotherapists at Complete Physio and Pilates in London. Welcome to episode 12, the second and final part of our chat with physiotherapist Dan Boyd. In our first episode with Dan, we looked at what a bike fit is and what they can actually do to help you. In this episode, we are going to go deep into the world of triathletes, common injuries, and how you can get more from your training. Dan himself is an accomplished triathlete, so his insights on this topic were very valuable and extremely thorough. All right. Hello and welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us for what is episode 12 of the Complete Health Podcast. I am your host, Reese Noble. I'm one of the physiotherapists here at Complete Physio, I was going to say Complete Health then, uh, at Complete Physio, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Helen O'Leary. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening. Helen is the Pilates queen, as we like to call her around here. She heads up... I've got up, a new uh, title, I've got my crown on. <laughs> lovely, next birthday, cover it off. Um, and she is the clinical director of Complete Pilates. Uh, for the second time, for part two, we have another one of our wonderful physiotherapists, uh, Dan Boyd. Thanks for joining us again, Dan. It's good to be back. Excellent. <laughs> um, now, Dan's here, as I say, part two of that chat with Dan, where we're going to dive into all things triathlon, and I'll put it straight on the table now. I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> he's got, like, the big... For any of you not watching this, he's yeah. literally got, like, the biggest grin on his face. There's but, just so many laughter lines going on yeah, right now. I'm sure it'll get talked about on many of our podcasts coming up, but I have... Having never done a triathlon before, I've signed up for a half Ironman next year. Ooh. So I've been picking Dan's brains about triathlon <laughs> because, as we'll come into in a second, he's done quite a few. Um, and so I'm approaching this as one of physio, of course. I'm looking forward to learning plenty of clinical things, but also as an amateur triathlete, looking to improve myself. So thank you very much, Dan, for joining <laughs> us on that, uh, on that note. <laughs> so I've mentioned a little bit there, Dan. We went through your credentials as a physio in the last podcast, but in regards to triathlon, I know you've done quite a few. Where did it start? How's it gone? How many have you done? How many have you done? Uh, so how many, uh, I don't know exactly how many Olympics I've done, but quite a lot. How, uh, many, how many what? Olympic triathlons. Oh, right. uh, so Olympic is uh, uh, it's a 1.2k swim, uh, 40k, 40k bike and a 10k run. Yeah. Uh, Just I've done a few, a few of those, <laughs> uh, I think probably more than 20, more than 25, I don't know. When you've lost count, you know you've done quite a lot. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then I've done a few half irons, so I've probably done maybe 10, 10, 11 half irons, uh, like the whole castle series. Distances mm-hmm. uh, so that's a 2.1k swim, 1.9k swim. We've got the there is okay. <laughs> and then it's a, it's a, what is that? 90k bike. 90k, is it? Yeah. 90k, and then it's a half marathon. Um, and then. 1k. Yep. So you're well researched on this one, having signed up. I've had so <laughs> many people ask me in the last month or so, I've recited those lines. It's literally sharpened up your hand. Exactly. Yeah. And then I've done uh, six proper Ironmans, done a number of challenge events, and a number of ultra Ironmans. Oh my which, gosh. How many is a number of ultras? So I've done six proper Ironmans. And then the ultras have done two, which is the likes of Keltman and, and Northman and things like that, which is... Uh, is Northman the one in Norway where you start and finish at an endpoint and end up running up a mountain? Yeah, same as Keltman. So Keltman, you finish it up sounds like fun. a place called Benai, which is... So they're just a bit longer and then you run up a mountain at the end. 
Just uh, to me and Marathon directly uphill. Uh, but only half of it is half of it's like over Monroe's in Scotland or not. <laughs> Turning <laughs> down even <laughs> harder. <laughs> and then the last, so you don't get like graded as to go get blue t-shirt, black t-shirts, and all that sort of stuff. But like, Which ones are the coloured ones are always better. You want the blue or the black or the red if you're doing something. What did you get? I got the blues and blacks. Ooh. <laughs> um, so I did it ages ago. Count them back in 2015. Now so five years ago. Um, where there wouldn't, where it wasn't that many people that have done it. I'm not even sure how many people have done it now. But when I did it, there was about 260 people in the world that have done it. Wow. Um, you have to get to the bottom of the mountain in time before you run up there. Anyway. So there's sort of checkpoints along the way, is it? And if you don't, well, and that's just because you don't have enough time in the day or something. Uh, it's to keep it exclusive, I think, from the race organizers' point of view. They call it an X tri event, so it's like an extreme triathlon event, um, and they try and keep it sort of, a, I guess, exclusive. But I guess this would have some sort of. So you could do the swim, you could do the cycle, and then get told you're not allowed to do the run. Well, you, if you if you don't go up the mountain, you run around it and finish, and then you get a white t-shirt instead of a blue one. Ah, uh, I see. I think I'd rather <laughs> run around the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Most people would, I think. Um, so to synthesise that, Dan. He's done a lot. Dan knows about triathlon. <laughs> done a few. Well, clearly I don't. I've got all the distance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you were too worried about the long, you know, the ultra ones. You were getting excited about, about his coloured t-shirts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And having worked with Dan now for a couple of years, I know he's super knowledgeable uh, with all things physio as well. So we are going to, very lucky for us, be able to amalgamate those today uh, with our chat. So should be a good one. Leading into that, what, what do you see? What, what injuries do you see in triathletes? Uh, triathletes is, is commonly overuse injuries. So you do get your, your hamstring tendons, you get quartz tendon, a lot of ITV friction because of the amount of cycling and running. That mm-hmm. seems to be well, friction or sort of bursitis of the lateral knee. Um, you get a lot of that because of the amount of repetitive knee flexion you do. Um, as you know, I'm a little bit obsessed with tight flexors and I <laughs> do see a lot of that as well because you're spending a lot of time in a cycling position, running as well, it's quite um, indicative of people getting tight flexors, tight everything really with running. So to those listening, hip flexors, the, mu- the muscles at the front of your knee, of your hips, your knees, your hips, um, get shortened with cycling, running and sitting. So I think we see a lot of office people that end up with those. And it's particularly in cyclists because it's not only that hip flexion, i.e. knee to, knee to nose, it's also the fact that your body is going forward. So your hip flexors are not just your quads. So it's, it's your yes. body coming forward and then that's kind of sustaining that position too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So but don't sit up straight if you're a cyclist, as I just learned. <laughs> it's a trade-off. <laughs> um, and then obviously you do get a lot of uh, sort of shoulder pains for swimmers in triathletes. I think that's probably the most common one in swimming is rotator cuff. Uh, so your classic cuff or um, bursitis is another common pathology of the shoulder for swimmers. Mm-hmm. Um, bits that tend to be a bit, a bit unhappy. And do you tend to find that whatever your weaker event is, is the place that they get the injuries first? Weirdly, no. Okay. Uh, so anecdotally, no. It's the one, it's the event you do like, you tend to do a lot more of it. Ah. Um, so if you're a really keen cyclist and you love cycling, you tend to do a little cycling and you get a cycling-related injury. Yeah. If you hate swimming, you tend not to do it as much. Um, yeah. so that is a, a rule across the board, I think, for all triathletes, I think, top to bottom. I think even the Brownlee brothers would probably agree with that um, in terms of if you're not that keen a swimmer. Uh, then you just tend to sort of put it towards the back of your training schedule or sometimes mail it in on a training <laughs> training session. That's just human nature, even if you've got a coach shouting at you. Um, so yeah, it's actually, weirdly enough, it's the one that people tend to do more of, I'd say. Okay. Um, I, I, maybe, if you, I've never actually sat down and looked at it, but... Um, when I was sharing my experience of my triathlon days, I did a mini triathlon with Virgin Active in the gym 
And I ended up having to swim breaststroke because I am not a very good swimmer <laughs> and I did not do it. <laughs> so, the last few podcasts, we've established you're not a very good runner. You're not a very but good cyclist. You're not a very good cyclist. But I commute. <laughs> you're not a very good swimmer. I try and sink most of the time. But I do like to exercise. See, variety is key. Exactly. I do a little bit of everything. So I don't have any injuries. And I do, yeah. you know, it's a typical physio. Jack of all trades, master of nothing. Yeah, for a long time. <laughs> I can't disagree. You put me tonight up an artist report and we're 40 bit for the minutes, I'm pretty sure. So. Fold it, man, I'd fold it. Those springs, woof, get me. So, you've obviously, have, have you had any injuries yourself? Uh, actually, touch wood, I've been reasonably lucky. So, I've had a rotator cuff go in, in, in the past. That was swimming when I first started. That's probably a big tip for anyone that starts running Ironman distance for you if you start doing. Uh, if you haven't swum much before and you start swimming miles at a time, be careful your shoulders, do some rotator cuff work, <laughs> do some mobility work for your thoracic spine and, and bits and bobs. It, yeah. Before, after, different days? Um, I would probably just add it into a conditioning session separate yeah. from everything else. Uh, so I'd just do it as a, as a standalone session and use that instead of a run session or cycling session, which is sacrilege for most triathletes, <laughs> but if the, you can't train if you're injured. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, it's something that I think if you're taking on triathlon for the first time, whether that's a sprint, Olympic distance, the distances and I think the combination from all in one day will definitely involve some sort of a preparation that isn't just swim, cycle, run. There should be some other stuff going on there to make sure you don't wind up coming to see us. Okay, so then let's look at that. So swim, cycle, run, all in one day, and there should be other stuff. How often should there be other stuff? So bear in mind now we're kind of triathlon people. You're not you're not a me. You're going to be doing a little <laughs> bit more than what I tend to do. So you're a bit more serious about your training. What would be the ideal gold standard training week? So let's take Reese for example. Um, most of if you're doing that sort of long distance, most of your run should be nice and steady. You wouldn't be looking to do pace runs or interval sessions, basically fast, mm -hmm. high intensity runs. Any more than once a week, I think that's a common mistake that people use. Yeah. You want time on feet with that sort of distance. And yeah. My coach has been doing a lot of um, heart rate. Keep yeah. it at that. Go on so for 75 minutes. And then just keep it at that level as you just keep so going. For 75 minutes, keep it at or just below 140. Okay. And it's hard. It's actually hard to make yourself go slow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I don't tend to struggle with it. In <laughs> <laughs> that, that's attractive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think definitely time on feet and the interval, particularly with the whole hip movement and stuff, has been probably overutilised, particularly in triathlon, particularly long distance triathlon, and it's probably accountable for more injuries than it's probably helped people, I would say. Um, so, yeah, time on feet and actual just base runs, I would say, just building up time on feet and a bit of endurance and aerobic performance, because it is an aerobic event at the end of the day. As well as smashing out a quick 10k, you need to be able to do it after a swim in a cycle. So, I think that's the scary bit for me like the, the three distances of the half like quite comfortable with individually but getting on a bike after I've just gassed myself in a swim yeah. um, that that's probably the bit that's a bit like oh can, you know how will that feel and how, how will you go about that leads me on very nicely to the probably most popular triathlon term uh, in terms of training which is brick training brick training so yes. I can run uh, get used to running off the bike I remember the first time I did it, and I still get it now, your legs feel like jelly, yeah. you're all over the shop, and you definitely go slower, and that is definitely a point where you can injure yourself if you just do it on the day, you need to prep for it, train for it as you would anything else, that is an important, that transition is an important transition that will aid you in terms of performance, but it will also aid you in terms of not destroying your limbs and doing weird things with your body as you start to run out of the bike. Yeah. 
So I'm going to bring us back because Riska's getting really excited about all of this and kind of, you know, I mean, he keeps rubbing his hands together. Then, um, so that, that week that we're looking at, we've talked about time on feet. We've talked, <laughs> we've talked about, now we've talked about looking at coming from a, a, a bike to a run, looking at that transition and if you can add those two together. What else should be happening during that week? So, in answer to your question, sorry, I didn't go straight <laughs> off topic almost it's immediately. Bruce <laughs> is encouraging me, yeah. I'm just going to bring it back. So, <laughs> someone has to. Let's, let's go through a normal week. So, number one, you need a rest day. Yep. So, on Monday, you do nothing. And I mean nothing, you don't do anything. Try not to cycle to work if you're a keen athlete, they usually do that. Rest, you need to rest. Chill out. Uh, you let your body recover. Eat well, drink well that day. Water, not booze. Um, <laughs> do everything that you should do that you, that you sort of are aware of. And then let's say Tuesday, I'd do a, let's say a swim and a bike. Mm -hmm. So a nice swim session in the morning. Distances? Depends what you're training for, but let's say it's an Olympic distance. So let's go for some swim sets of a couple of, let's go for a thousand meters, uh, dropped into 200 meter sets. A kilometer is easily done in the pool. If this is if you've done a triathlon before, maybe if you're an experienced triathlete, mm -hmm. if not, you need to build up these things and swim coaching can help with, with that. Uh, and then let's say Wednesday, you're not a nice easy run. Uh, and, and that's that steady, there. kind of heart, relatively low-ish for exercise heart rate, where you're keeping it there, but you're going quite far. Yeah, over, so. over, let's say, a 20-week training program, you start three miles, you build up to your six to eight, to mm -hmm. build up that time on feet for mm -hmm. 10K at the end of the race. Um, and then Thursday, you probably do it again, swim in a, swim in a cycle. Mm -hmm. Friday, probably an interval run, so an interval session. Mm -hmm. Cycle would have been like a 40 kilometer again base mm -hmm. cycle, and then usually most people say they're long stuff at the weekend. So everyone meets up at the cafe Saturday morning, out. in yeah. Lycra, <laughs> yeah, in Lycra. That's a must if you're going to join the club. Yeah, for Lycra, Sunnies, espresso before you go. Yeah, really shows. pointy like hat <laughs> helmet. <laughs> yeah, get ready to get shouted at by everyone on the way to Richmond Park. <laughs> and then, <laughs> And then, yeah, last out, usually at least a race distance, or if you're building up to it, build up slowly to start to your 20k, 10k, which is doable on a bike. And then you want to be doing race distance, a solid sort of six to 10 weeks out before your race. Okay. Um, and if you want to go fast. And then always Sunday, for me, was a long run day. And you usually, towards the end of your program, start doing a double day where you do a long swim, long run. Mm -hmm. And then again, brings back into your rest day Monday. So on the previous podcast and earlier, you said about strength, mobility. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm feeling tired just kind of sitting here sipping my coffee. <laughs> this, um, is hard. this is a hard. When does this plan. kind of stuff? So this is an Olympic triathlon kind of yeah. sort of style. When does that fit in, or at that point, does it not need to? So I'd probably either take a session out, or you do it on your. Uh, you can do it on your sort of Wednesday sort of long run. You can yeah. do it before or after that. So we're talking, as we said, we're talking about half an hour for. Any, anything sort of sensible for uh, SNC stuff or a conditioning session. Doesn't have to be like a really heavy weighted. And mix it up. So some day your legs, some day loads of core work, some day get in a Pilates studio, do a bit of yoga, mm -hmm. just mix it up, keep your body guessing. And I think that, like there's such a repetitive sport triathlon that it's quite easy to, to get tied down into a, into a certain mindset that keeps your body open to other, other bits and bobs. Yeah, I, I just feel this is me now putting my professional hat back on. It's 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 missing from so many people's programs. Like I deal with a lot of runners, and you say the word strength training to runners, and they it's just, not just that gymnasts. Have yeah. you guys seen what those gymnasts do? And strength training did not exist yeah. for a lot of them. 
Um, even like the cert stuff that I did, most of them didn't do strength training until they got, you know, this is some of the Olympic athletes didn't do strength mm. training. Mm. It's, it's, they train specifically, they train gymnastics, that's train what they do. Thing. And then that kind of conditioning at the end, if any gymnasts are listening, it's your V-sits, it's your leg lifts, it's your back extension, it's your hanging leg raises, but it's not actually leg strength and gym. Whereas, you know, now more people are slowly starting to put that in, but it yeah. can be quite behind. As we did, when we touched a little bit on in the previous chapter and in the cycling one, but the, the big thing for me about strength training, it, it, it will have a knock-on effect of improving your performance, but it's going to keep you in the game. It's, yeah. it's built, it's, the way I look at SNC for endurance athletes, it's mostly about tissue robustness yeah. and making your body iron, not iron, but you know, it, it's strong and robust so it can deal with the loads that you're about to put through it. Dan's just described to you a, a, a pretty stock standard triathlon week for, for longer distance triathletes. You know, he's, he's just, without trying, he's named eight, eight training sessions. Yeah. And remember, he's done that whilst working a full-time chef, a full-time job. It's probably like this. So, you know, you've got to, you might do a really long run or something in the morning and then have to come and be a physio all day and you're on your feet and you're doing all the rest of the stuff and then you decide to go for a swim in the evening or you're going to... So that kind of little notch in that 30 minute session and kind of picking that stuff up. Remember, yeah. you've still got to do whatever you do during the day. And I think Reese picked up on, probably if you're training, that's like a, a six to eight week training block for triathlons, but yeah. year round on your off peak, off seasons, is probably where you do your leg press, mm -hmm. your deadlifts, the bits and bobs that will make you durable. Yeah. And not fall to bits when you do put your body through that sort of training schedule. And that's so nice. you don't run, swim and cycle all day, every day, Which the whole year. Which is what Dan's saying, like, oh, that's what I do. You'll see my other leg press in there sometimes. And that's not, that's not exclusive to triathlon. Like, that's that's a good thing about for any sport. Well, then there's yeah, an in-season and an out-season. So, mm -hmm. you know, my well, my big sport that I love is Australian rules football. Oh. And the, the stats around um, strength testing, yep. start of the season. Same compared, in rugby. Same, exactly the same yeah. in rugby. The drop-off is huge. Um, so it's that pre-season preparatory period mm -hmm. where you need to be getting in those good really good quality strength training yeah. sessions and then in season you drop it back a couple of times a but week it's maintenance it's maintenance yeah. you're not it's trying it, to keep you know, when you're playing that much when you're doing that much kind of contacts and stuff the, the whole point of it is, is maintenance and it's not it's keeping you at that really powerful level you were yeah. at when you didn't have to run into people mm. um, and that's kind of the key to it. Yeah, we've all worked in elite sporting environments and I think that one thing that we both agree with is there is no catching up. If you don't do your SNC in your off-season or in your pre-season, <laughs> you can't <laughs> just add it into a training load because that's when you will fall a bit. So yeah. there is no catch-up. If you miss it, you miss it. You should probably just start again and re-evaluate re <laughs> your, your year. But um, Choices. The guys that do it professionally and the elite guys, which is where we should all take our basic advice from, I appreciate time constraints being time constraints, but if you do miss that block of training, you can't can't bodge it, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> you usually get found out at some point. Yeah. And I, we, we touched it a little bit in the last one again around cycling, but, and, and I know sort of Dan agrees with this, it, they don't need to be complex strength sessions. Mm -hmm. Again, we're not training to be powerlifters or Olympic weightlifters. Or, that's not our sport. Our yeah. sport is triathlon or football or rugby or whatever it is. So whatever you're doing in regards to your strength training, 
get in and out quick. You really shouldn't be in the gym for any more than about a half an hour, you know, 40 minutes. Get in a couple of mobility exercises, four or five strength exercises on the on the key muscle groups and get out of there. Yeah, and also if you've done your long ride, then get off the bike and do a couple of mobility exercises. Yep. Really short, really simple, before you sit down and watch TV. The last thing I'll point out for triathletes specifically, if you haven't heard of an app called Training Peaks, download it and use it. Um, the professional cyclists that I work with, the, the one thing that they get picked up at, and I work with professional cycling from what is quite elite level to sort of entry semi-professional level, the first thing the semi-professional guys I started work with get is that. And what? Training load. You can easily overtrain on a bike or running or triathlon in general. You document what you're doing mm -hmm. and you'll, you'll be shocked at how much like, people will do before realizing overtraining. So I think that's mm -hmm. a big one. A, a tip for triathletes, if you're training, like Reese's training for a half iron or a, or a full iron, monitor your load. So that app, what do you call it? Uh, so it's called Training Peaks. Training Peaks is quite a good injury prevention tool too. Massively. Yeah, and it's super user friendly. I'm using it at the moment. Okay. Um, my coach uploads my workouts on there um, and then I log on, can see them, I can give him feedback, um, it, it, it syncs up to my Garmin and every other bloody fitness app that I've currently got running. Um, I finish a run and I have six notifications from all these different apps that it's uploaded and synced and all sorts of things, but the beautiful thing is, from his, especially from his end, he's able to look, he graphs my weeks. And you can change it as needed. Yeah, and, and as is really common with a lot of um, periodization is that we'll build up for three weeks, but we'll give you a little a, mm -hmm. a, a drop-off week to let your body recover, dissipate that fatigue, and then we go again. Up for three weeks, down for one, up for three weeks, which is a super common in S&C world. That's a super yeah. common pattern. So. so then looking at kind of periodization, so training load and then using something like that app, what other injury prevention things can people do if they are training for a triathlete? Um, well, the bits we discussed previously, which is... All your bike fit stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Plug for podcast yeah. number one with Dan, or <laughs> podcast 11. No. Um, but I think, as, as, you, well, as you mentioned, the conditioning thing, and sort of picking up a, a ethos there, whether it's Pilates, yoga, SNC stuff in the gym, whatever it is that you do, but also uh, nutrition is the other thing that makes a big difference to people being able to perform and uh, being able to achieve those things. If you don't have the right building blocks to repair yourself, to fuel yourself around what you're asking your body to do before apart quicker than anything else. So yeah, nutrition and making sure that you eat well. Yeah. Respect. Easy on the booze. Respect um, rest. Yeah. Mm. Respect sleep. The number one recovery <laughs> tool we have is sleep. Yeah. And unfortunately the the contradiction of triathlon is like we've kind of touched on, if you're working a full time job, mm -hmm. that's 40, 45 hours plus trying to train for Plus commuting time. Nine, ten, yeah, exactly. And then trying to train for nine, ten, eleven hours a week. But you still have to fit in sleep around that. Super and partners, important. kids. Yeah, all of that Socializing. stuff. Socialising. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Yeah, you want to keep some of your friends. Um, but there's a, there's a fantastic book which really opened my eyes by Dr. Matthew Walker. It's called Why We Sleep. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Amazing book and it really opened my eyes to the importance of sleep and for anyone that wants to be convinced that sleep is important Just read <laughs> a chapter of that book um, it'll, it'll change your, your perspective on it really quickly But you know some of the texts I've read and things like that if you're struggling to get your eight hours in Which is generally what's recommended for most people supplementing it with naps and things in the middle of the day oh, I love know, a good nap. Yeah, so here is your physio <laughs> Prescribing <laughs> <And> naps, naps. <laughs> 
you can tell your boss, you can tell your partner, my physio said I need a nap. But it's shown to have really, really good effects uh, on reducing injury rates and, uh, and even increased performance. So there's been a couple of really comprehensive studies through colleges in the US of uh, the injury prevention and, and performance gains that you get through, um, through sleep, so super important. So what about things like massage? Yeah, pretty helpful um, in terms of recovery. Uh, in terms of the guys that offer it here, I know they see a lot of the triathletes that or cyclists that I see. Okay. So it's quite often a, usually it's a question I get asked to be honest, rather than a referral like me. It's, uh, it's someone coming up and saying, look, do you know goodness who's got a couple of guys here who completely do a great job. Um, usually most of them working within sport already. Mm-hmm. So they know what's needed. Again, it's those finer points, those little bells and whistles that you can add to a training program that a couple percent, make you feel that bit better, I just train a bit harder the next day. All your top end guys, certainly cyclists, just finish the Tour de France, they get it done every single night mm-hmm. and they, they live for it. They, they actually love it at the end of the day <laughs> and they feel much better for it. Um, in terms of uh, sort of massage on a regular basis for someone amateur like myself, it's a treat, or I treat it as a treat, so post race is obviously very nice, but obviously the week of a race or race week, you drop your training down, you know get lots of water in you, get lots of sleep, chuck a massage in there, all the little bells and whistles that can just make that week a bit nicer, sort of treat yourself once you're done on training. Race week is just not the, just not the, not the 12 weeks of training before, just living for that taper. <laughs> Every week's a race week. Yeah, race week. And what about other recovery kind of trip, like tips? What else can people do? Because obviously massage can be a little bit more expensive for some people. So is there any other things that you can do on your own? Yeah, so active recovery is probably one of the nicest things. So sometimes taking a walk is quite nice. Yeah. Um, give the headspace as well. I use those, so the most, I can't remember the most popular one now, is it called Headspace? Yeah, Headspace yeah, or Calm, those are probably two of the biggest ones. Yeah. But you can get free apps or free podcasts mm. and things on um, Spotify, if you just Google meditation, find a voice that you like, um, there's lots of kind of ones on there, which yeah. are quite nice. Med- meditations are really, it's one that's sometimes not mentioned, but it can really, the thing to keep in mind about it, about your body is your body doesn't know what type of stress it is. It doesn't know whether it's physical stress or emotional stress. It's just stress. So mm. quite often the analogy is used really of the stress bucket. So anytime you do something to stress yourself, you know, you're pouring a little bit into the stress bucket. So whether that's, you know, a, a nine, nine training sessions a week, you're 45 hours at work, you're fighting with your girlfriend, boyfriend, your boss is giving you trouble, that's all pouring into the bucket. So anything you can do to empty that bucket a little bit is really, really important. So along with the active stuff, your meditation, mindfulness, those types of things are a really good way of Does a cup of tea and a packet of chocolate buttons fit in there? Uh, for some people, I'm sure it does. <laughs> I'm sure it does. I mean, look, for some people- Maybe not like, an triathlete. For some people, Love Island does it. But for me, it just like, <laughs> absolutely fills that bucket up as high as it can possibly go. So, every, so you know, you might find your thing, but uh, it is those little things can make a really, really big difference, I think, at the back end. Any other tips for that recovery point of view? Uh, for recovery. Love Island? Or not? <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about it. Of all things. He clearly watches it. <laughs> you got me. But yeah, again, I could sort of go, go through all those sort of little marketing gains that you can make in terms of looking after nutrition, which is protein shakes and other nutritional aspects that you should be aware of if not using the water, probably the main one, really. Uh, foam rolling is always a nice one that people tend to do. Again, some people are fans of it, some people are not. The evidence is probably out on that one itself. 
Um, on lots of things, I think. Yeah. yeah the massage guns are starting to get a lot of Super press. Yeah. yeah, which I, yeah. I don't know. Thera guns. Thera guns. Yeah. I don't know where I'm at with them yet. Because uh, as physios, obviously, we like to be evidence-based practitioners. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of evidence out there for them yet. Not to say that won't be coming out. Some people swear by them. Mm-hmm. Um, other people have had don't really think much of them but uh but again it's probably about finding things that work for you, for you as an individual isn't it yeah and so my best friend shout cast um is a soft tissue therapist and she will be you know she's worked in elite sports for the last i don't know how long i'll probably uh, upset her if i give the wrong time she feels old <laughs> um, but you know it's not just about getting a sports massage where you get battered and feel really bruised and everything else actually you know going and getting something where you Kind of, you, they take it a little bit slower, can sink in a little bit deeper because you're not kind of contracting the tissue around someone poking you in the leg. Yeah. Then just because it's not hard and fast doesn't mean that it's not going to be really like working. So good soft tissue therapists and how they use their hands, it doesn't just have to be really pokey and elbows in and that sort of stuff. So you know there's a bit of a difference with there as well in terms of mm. where soft tissue research is going and what it can do. Yeah, I think recovery might be a podcast Ooh, yeah. somehow we'll put that on the list we might get Dan back for that one in the future and we can have a chat about that or okay. cast <laughs> or cast or both of them both we of them we can have a little tea party the merrier, as long as there's not more than six right <laughs> <laughs> alright um, so there's I think that's a pretty good sort of rundown Dan of, of triathlon and both sides of me got a little bit out of that I think <laughs> so I guess just a bit of an overview Triathlon's hard. It's hard on the body, but there's lots of things that you can be doing um, to prevent that, reduce the chances. From my point of view, S&C does hold a massive part of the puzzle. And for me, Pilates has a part of the puzzle because of all that mobility. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. Dan, (laughs) is there anything you really hang your hat on? Um, For me, doing the long distance stuff, uh, it's basically an easy competition. Uh, Once you've done all the hard work, if you don't eat on the day, you will run out of energy. So if you're doing half iron, one gram per kilogram body weight per hour. Wow. It doesn't matter if it's jelly babies, sports gels, whatever it is. You need to eat. You need to eat while you race. My, my specialty is Haribo. Yeah. Um, Dizzy ones? Yeah. If towards the end of the race when I'm feeling a bit down. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah. Then, uh, yeah. Is that why when the photos come through and you're sort of scrunching your face up? <laughs> I mean, that's why. Unfortunately, that's just my face. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the pain, it's the sour, <laughs> the sour lolly. Um, but yeah, so you need to eat throughout the course of those long distance races and I think in triathlon, particularly half iron, particularly iron and anything more than that, even if it's ultra marathon, if you don't eat, you won't get through it. So you need to manage that strategy part of your race as well. Yeah. Probably a different podcast entirely, but... And you, was it you that said to me, that's the fourth discipline in triathlon? It is. Yes, it's, it's, it's your nutrition yeah. um, and, re, and re, refueling. That's the fourth, that's yeah. the fourth uh, so I know we were wrapping up, but just one more question. Does that mean, would you recommend someone see a nutritionist then? Or I mean, someone it, like yourself who's really kind of knows what they're talking about in terms of triathlons? Through one meeting with another, like if obviously the goal is if you're an athlete, you're going to see a nutritionist yeah. and they're going to plan a race day for you. They'll chat to you about your wants and needs. But not just race day, but the training program. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. to do with that. Um, it's so important. So yeah, it's, whether it comes to race day or the training plan nutrition, you should be, if you're not already thinking about it, you should be thinking about it. And basically planning it you should really plan your meals and I know when I've raced really hard when I was doing the city long distance Ironman ones you, I think you get through something like it's five and a half six thousand calories a day wow that's a lot for a human to eat 
Dan does not look like he eats five and a half thousand to six thousand calories. We're probably getting that way at the moment. <laughs> if you didn't do all the exercise. <laughs> uh, but you need to eat that much if you're swimming in the morning, going to work, as we said. Like if you're managing stress as well, you just you need those those calories to power yourself through. Mm. That's not you start training, you instantly start taking six thousand calories on board. You build up to it, and that should be a peak. But that's just a, a number to depend on sort of three times as much as you would normally yeah. eat. I mean, I, I personally use my Fitness Pal app. Um, oh yeah, my mum uses that. For, 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 there's another discussion Probably a different reason why, <laughs> for, for me, it was to make sure, for a lot of people use it so they're not eating too many calories. Yeah. It's been super eye-opening for me how hard it is to get the calories in that I actually need. Like, I've got the opposite issue. Well, especially if you're seeing patients regularly. So, you know, typically in physio, you go different client every 30 minutes for eight, 10 hours mm. with not that much breaks in between. Yeah. I remember cycling home when I was training hard. This is probably the last time I trained really hard. It was a couple of years ago for the um, Calpine North Home ones. But I'd cycle home and it's only a, a 10k cycle, but I'd bonk on the way home because I hadn't eaten during the day. Yeah. Uh, bonking means you run out of energy for your body. And you just start to get a bit of tunnel vision, you know, a little bit, little bit. It's a horrible feeling. I to, you used to have to stop off at sort of Putney, get a chocolate bar <laughs> just to get home. Oh, yeah. wow. Because if you don't manage it that well, you will run out of energy, which is what happens, and you don't realise it happens until, well, you know, until it happens. By the time you know you plug in, so where it's set for me is I need to get just, just for my daily energy, I need to have two and a half thousand calories. That's just my daily stuff. Pre-training, without training. Ex- without training, any exercise. So like today for me is a 2,000 calorie day with my training. So I've got to find another 2,000 calories on top of that. And with, that, with eating, Good calories. Yeah, it's hard finding those calories. Sometimes is really quite difficult. So it's definitely yeah. a massive consideration cool. for performance and recovery as well. Nice. On that note, sorry, I swipe. I swipe no, that no, time. Again, really <laughs> good, good discussion. And now I think nutritionist. We do have on the list to come oh, yeah. and speak to us as well, which is always awesome for us to get uh, opinions from different uh, different professions and things like that as well. So, Deb, that wraps up part number two. Thank you for having me. Thanks very much. Thanks for coming. For anyone that uh, hasn't uh, listened yet, part one with Dan, episode 11, uh, we went through all things cycling, cycling injuries, and in particular, uh, the bike fit service that we offer here at Complete, which is headed up by Dan, uh, which is a fantastic service. Um, In future weeks, we've uh, got some exciting guests coming up. Yes, we do. I'm so excited about one of them. We do indeed. So keep an eye out, everyone, for uh, when episode 13 comes out next week. Um, We'll uh, we'll keep you in the loop as to who's coming on with us. Thank you, Dan. Cheers. Thanks, That concludes episode 12 of the Complete Health Podcast. For any more information or questions, please feel free to email into us at either reese at complete-physio.co.uk or helen at complete-pilates.co.uk. We're also on Instagram as at completehealthpodcast, all one word. And if you haven't already, please go back and have a look at our previous episode with Dan, where we looked at bike fits and how they can make you go faster, as well as help you avoid injury whilst you're on the bike. Keep an eye out in coming weeks for our next guest, Donovan Pyle, where we talk about psychology, in particular, the psychology of musculoskeletal injuries. For For another another week, week, stay stay healthy and goodbye. goodbye.